his word, you can open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. While you're turning there, uh, an early Christmas greeting from Jill and me and our family. This is the third sermon in a three-part series in 1 Peter 2 entitled, Christ has Come. In In these verses, Peter has painted for us a beautiful portrait of Christ. Two weeks ago, Jared showed us Christ as the sinless Savior in verses 22 and 23. Last week, Rob held up for us the giving Savior in verse 24. And today, we're going to complete this wonderful portrait of Christ in verse 25 that reveals him as a shepherd. Title of my message is Christ is Come, the Promised Shepherd. And as we've done over the last couple of weeks, we're going to read verses 21 through 25, but focus today on verse 25. Verse 21, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might live, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. May God bless the preaching of his holy and inspired word. I don't know how you arrive here today, six days before Christmas. Some of you are joyful. Christmas is your favorite holiday. Buddy the Elf is your hero. And you vehemently reject the unwritten rule not to play Christmas music until after Thanksgiving by proudly playing your Christmas music the day after Halloween. As you think about this Christmas week, you say, let's do this. Maybe you arrive here a bit anxious because you've got a long to-do list to finish within the next five days. Um, Just last week, Jill and I were trying to work out our schedules to learn who could be home when the exterminator arrived to treat our house, learning that neither one of us would be there. And so I asked Jill, I said, why why can't you be home? And she pointed her finger at me, (laughs) and she said with a certain tone of voice, I have 10 grandchildren to buy Christmas gifts for. Now, after being married to Jill for 42 years, I I hope I have learned that when she points and shakes her finger at me and says with a tone of voice, don't mess with my grandchildren, I hope I've learned that in that moment, you walk very cautiously. Maybe you can relate to Jill. You have much to do this week and you're anxious. Maybe some of you are here and your goal for this week is to survive. You just want to survive Christmas 
There are, by the way, countless articles available online that give you recommendations for how to survive Christmas. One of them I read this week gives recommendations for how to avoid those awkward conversations you know they're gonna happen at family Christmas gatherings. So the author, she gives several recommendations. I'm just gonna give you three. Here's her first recommendation. Keep a constant stream of food and drink in your mouth <laughs> at all times. That's, that's good. And she said, no one will think this is odd because this is what you're supposed to do over the holidays. Okay, recommendation number two, use your phone, look down at it, do not look up. Now, of course, this is frowned upon, but she says, desperate times call for desperate measures. And recommendation number three, this is my favorite, hide. So you go to your family event and there's an awkward conversation, you can go hide. And she said, hiding is not losing, it's actually winning because you're avoiding the awkward conversation. And then she actually gives several places to hide in the family event. So hide in the bathroom, this is a classic place to hide. Hide in your car, it's the only place you'll find peace and quiet. And then my favorite, hide in plain sight by accidentally falling asleep. I mean, after all that food you've been jamming in your mouth, nobody's gonna be surprised you're asleep, right? So maybe I've just given you some ideas for how to survive the holidays. Some of you are here and you're suffering, the difficulty of which is only heightened during the holidays. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or chronic illness that you're battling or you're gonna see a person this week that currently is Falsing, falsely accusing you. Christmas is hard for you. And if you were to be honest, you would say, I just want it to be over. See, regardless of how you arrive here today, joyful or anxious, surviving or suffering, we all need verse 25 on this Sunday for this week for this Christmas. I say that because Peter begins verse 25 by awakening us to our need. He begins that verse by saying, for you were straying like sheep. Now that word for is very important because it links verse 25 with verse 24 and explains why we were straying like sheep. As, as you know, we just read it, verse 24 ends with, by his wounds you have been healed. Why did we need healing? Because we were straying like sheep. As Rob said last week, the sickness of sin explains why we were straying from God and reveals our need to be healed by the wounds of Christ. Now Peter is clearly penning these verses with Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6 in view. So let's take a look at those. Isaiah 53 beginning in verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see it there, the same order, the same logic in Isaiah 53 is found here in 1 Peter 2, verse 25. We all need healing because we were all straying like sheep. We were all astray. We have all 
Every one of us turned to our own way because of our sins and our iniquities. See, Peter is awakening us to our need for a Savior who will shepherd our souls because sin is a universal sickness that causes us to wander away and to stray away from God. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Keep in mind that Peter... He wrote this verse feeling his own need for a shepherd. On the night before Jesus died, he said to his disciples, and Peter was there, he he heard Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Jesus said, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And you know this, just a few hours later, what does Peter do? He He denies Christ, and he deserts Christ, scattering away like a straying sheep. Peter wrote this verse knowing that he had a need for a shepherd. You and I today, we have a need for a shepherd and overseer of our souls because we have this tendency to to stray. By the way, the language there, shepherd and overseer of our souls, that language is used together throughout our Bibles, we will see it again in 1 Peter chapter 5 when Peter is speaking to elders, calling them to shepherd and oversee the church of God. See, a shepherd feeds and cares for and protects and leads his sheep. In the text, though, he's using past tense language. He says in verse 25, for you were straying, but have now returned. So clearly, Peter is speaking to Christians by reminding us of who we were before Christ. Who were we? We were straying sheep. But at our conversion, we have returned and have an ongoing need for Christ as the shepherd and overseer of our souls. If you're, if you're here this morning or maybe you're watching via live stream and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, Here's what we want you to know. The only difference between you and us as Christians is that we have Christ. Because apart from Christ, we are all lost. As Jesus said in the Gospels, we are sheep without a shepherd. So if you're not a Christian, you have a need for a Savior and a shepherd. All of us as Christians have this ongoing need for a shepherd and overseer of our souls. So aware of our need, here's the question I want us to answer with the time we have left. What kind of shepherd is Jesus? What kind of shepherd is Jesus? Number one, Jesus is the promised shepherd. Throughout scripture, the imagery of shepherd is used to refer to God himself. As early as the book of Genesis, the first book in our Bible, we see Jacob referred to God as his shepherd in Genesis chapter 48, verse 15. This is what Jacob says. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. David in Psalm 23, verse one, calls the Lord my shepherd. And when the birth of Jesus Christ was foretold in the book of Micah, we again find shepherd imagery. We see these verses referenced in our scripture reading 
that, um, that Rob did this morning from Luke 2. But let's look at Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, who is coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, and he shall stand, shepherd, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. So Micah prophesies that the Messiah, the one from ancient of days, the one from eternity past, would be born in Bethlehem. And this Messiah, Jesus Christ, will shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. How appropriate then that the angels appeared to shepherds in the field in Luke 2, announcing good news of great joy that a Savior was born in Bethlehem who is the promised shepherd. See, Christmas reveals that God keeps all of his promises. The God who is first called shepherd in Genesis 48, our God, our Lord, who David calls my shepherd in Psalm 23, promises to send the Messiah, and when Jesus is born in Bethlehem, he is born in the flesh, and he lives among us as a shepherd, as the promise shepherd. Jesus is the promised shepherd who came to seek and save the lost. He is the promised shepherd who came to oversee and care for my soul and for your soul. So if the sadness or if the sorrow, if the anxiety that you feel about this Christmas week, if it's causing you to doubt the goodness of God, let the birth of Jesus Christ be a truth that reminds you that God kept his promise. He kept his promise to send his son to heal you of the sickness of sin and to give you a shepherd to oversee and tend to your soul in your sadness and in your anxiety. Therefore, your God is a good God and your God can be trusted. Jesus is the promised shepherd. What kind of shepherd is Jesus? Number two, Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd. We find God revealing himself to us again as a shepherd in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 34. We see that in verses 15 and 16. This is God speaking. I, meaning God myself, will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Now God says, that he's going to do these things as a shepherd because the context of Ezekiel 34 is God's indictment to the leaders of Israel who had failed to shepherd God's people. We see that earlier in the chapter in verses 2 through 4. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones. But you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. 
So out of self-interest, the leaders of God's people failed as shepherds. And so God sends the promised shepherd, Jesus Christ, who would not fail to shepherd his people because he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why Jesus, with complete integrity, can say in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. We see that in verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, he announces, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus is a good shepherd because he knows you and because he's laid his life down for you. Now when Jesus says that he knows you, he doesn't mean he just knows you generally. He knows you specifically. He, he knows you personally. D. Martin, Lloyd, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, this does not mean that he merely has a superficial general acquaintance with his sheep, but that he has a special interest in them. He knows them in the sense that he has a personal concern for them. So the anxiety that some of you feel about this week, he knows the cause of the anxiety. He knows exactly how it's troubling you. And he is a good shepherd who also knows how to lead your soul this week to still waters and to lie down in green pastures. Psalm 23, verse 2. Why does he know this? Why will he help you with your anxiety this week? Because he has a special interest in you. Those of you that are looking to survive Christmas, anticipating that you will encounter people with which you have relational tension, know that you have a good shepherd who will not allow you to walk through this week alone. Your good shepherd, he is with you. And his rod and his staff, tools of a shepherd, he will use to protect you and comfort you. Psalm 23, verse 4. I believe there are some here, you're feeling very vulnerable about this week because you're going to be with people, whether that's at a work Christmas party or at a family of a family gathering, and these people are slandering you. They're making false accusations about you. And the injustice of that is causing you to be fearful. Know this. Know that you have a good shepherd who has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And there your cup is going to overflow with his goodness and with his mercy. Psalm 23 verses 4 and 5. And you know what? This is what your good shepherd is going to do for you this week. He is going to give you grace in the midst of the injustice that you feel to entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. 1 Peter 2 verse 23. For some of you as you think about this week, sorrow and sadness, they They well up in your heart because of the loss of a loved one, whether that's loss of a child through miscarriage or the loss of a spouse or a parent or of a close friend. Here's what what the Lord wants you to know. 
you have a good shepherd who is described in Isaiah 53 verse 3 as a man of sorrows, one who is acquainted with grief. He understands. He knows the sorrow that you feel, and yet he is your shepherd who knows specifically how to comfort you. Psalm 23, verse 4. Why will he do this? Why will he walk with you this week? Why will he, why will he comfort you in the midst of your sadness and in the midst of your sorrow? Because your good shepherd, he has a personal concern for you. As I prayed about this sermon, and as I prepared this sermon, I had this consistent thought that I couldn't shake, that there would be some here today, and you are you're drifting from God. You're straying away from him. In fact, you, you came here today because you know that you shouldn't be, and you're trying to do something not to drift any longer. You're drifting, whether that's because of sin or because of passivity, on your part or because you have these persistent doubts about God himself. Here's what the Lord wants you to know. Here's why he's brought you here today. You have a good shepherd who knows how to restore your soul. Psalm 23, verse 3. I wasn't looking for this in my sermon prep, but I saw a video during my, my sermon prep and uh, the, the video opens with a sheep laying in a field, and it's on its back, and all fours are up in the air. And then this, this man comes into the video, and uh, obviously he's the shepherd, and he says, oh, these, these sheep, they fall down, and they're not strong enough to get up. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's all that wool, or they've got these really short legs. They're just not strong enough to get up. And he said, you got to go over, you got to roll them over, and you got to pick them up. And so he picks up the sheep, and he holds the sheep in between his legs, and he said, you got to hold them up for a bit, or they get a little wobbly. He said, you got to allow the, the blood to flow back into the brain. And he held them up for a bit, and he put the sheep down, and the sheep took off running. It ran about 15 yards, and it fell down again. <laughs> and the shepherd, he, he looked into the, the camera, and he said, ah, next time. I'll hold them up a little bit longer. See, that's what your shepherd does. When you fall because of sin, when you stray away from him, when you can't get back to him on your own, he comes to you as your good shepherd. He lifts you up and he, he holds you up just a little bit longer. Keep in mind, Peter, Peter is writing this letter after denying Jesus and deserting Jesus. Peter was one of those scattered sheep that Jesus foretold in Matthew chapter 26. And yet after Jesus' death and resurrection, we find Jesus in John 21 doing what? He's restoring Peter's soul. And not only restoring Peter's soul, he's restoring him as an apostle and as an under-shepherd, saying to him three times in that chapter, feed my sheep. Have you drifted from God? Have you, have you strayed from him? Today, as the text says, return. That means repent and, and to return to your good shepherd, a good shepherd who knows how to restore your soul. 
And for those of you that are here and you're not Christians, Jesus says that he is a good shepherd because he laid down his life for you. What that means is he died on the cross for you. As verse 24 says, he bore your sins for you. He received the punishment you deserve so that you will never know eternal punishment and eternal wrath. And today, if you will repent of your sin, and if he will place your faith in Christ and what he has done for you in the gospel, if you call upon his name today, you will be saved and you will not know eternal punishment, you will know eternal life. See, Jesus is the good shepherd who gives life. Jesus is the good shepherd who strengthens souls. Jesus is the good shepherd who, who restores souls. Jesus knows your soul. And he knows exactly how to care for it. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, again, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He will give you life. He will give you strength. He will give you protection. All that you can ever desire, he gives it all. And he will go on giving it until finally he has presented you perfect and faultless in the presence of God in eternity. Which leads to the third point. What kind of shepherd is Jesus? Jesus is the glorious shepherd. So the, the shepherd that saved you, the shepherd that is guiding your soul now, is the shepherd that will lead you safely home where he will continue to be your shepherd for all eternity. We know that from Revelation chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. And I love Revelation because it gives us a glimpse of what we're gonna see. It gives us a glimpse of what we're going to experience Look at it in verses 16 and 17. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Revelation, it gives us a glorious picture of Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, exalted on the throne. And what is he doing on that throne? He is shepherding his people. Jesus is the glorious shepherd who will guide us to streams of living water. Now, in Psalm 23, what, what did David, David say? The Lord is my shepherd. He, will, he, he leads me beside still waters. Here in Revelation, we see that Jesus is our shepherd who is going to guide us to springs of living water. That phrase, living water, it means the presence of God. Robert Mount says it this way, as a freshwater spring in a semi-arid land would be to a thirsty flock, so will be the eternal presence of God to redeemed humanity in their longing for spiritual wholeness. Our glorious shepherd, Jesus Christ, will guide us into the presence of God. And there, every tear will be wiped away. And we will experience joy and delight and complete satisfaction in his presence for all eternity. See, that picture of what will happen needs to inform this week. So are you carrying sadness and sorrow into this Christmas week? 
There is a day coming when the last trace of your earthly sorrow, it's gonna be wiped away forever, amen. Are you anxious about this week? There is a day coming when your anxiety will flee in the presence of God and it will never return. Are you, are you joyful this week? There is a day coming when your temporal joy will be replaced by an eternal joy with which there is no comparison and no end. Are you drifting from God today? You have a good shepherd and he has a special interest in you. And he is determined to get you to your eternal home where you will sing his praises for ten thousands of years. Why? Why will the shepherd do this? Because the babe born in Bethlehem is the promised shepherd who came as the sinless savior to bear our sins on the tree. And he's now guiding us as our good shepherd to our eternal home where he sits on the throne. And he sits there as our victorious and glorious shepherd. Brothers and sisters, do you see him? Oh, come, let us adore him. Do you know him? He is Christ the Lord. Amen and Merry Christmas.